Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit iloveSCBC.org. Our message today is titled, When Life Does Not Match Our Dreams. That probably applies to you. I know it certainly applies to me. Each of us have dealt with those moments where we look at our life and we say, not quite what I thought it was be, not quite what I hoped it might be. We all have those moments when our life just doesn't quite match up to our dreams. We are continuing our study of Joseph this morning. And a little bit of background on Joseph. So Joseph was born into a family with 12 sons. And there's a little bit of dysfunction inside of this family. There's certainly rivalry between these brothers. And Joseph, being one of the very youngest, is not liked by his older brothers. And he certainly doesn't help himself when Joseph, as we talked about last week, tells his brothers and even his father about a couple of dreams he's had. And in both of these dreams, we have sheaves, and then we have stars and the sun and moon all bowing to Joseph. And if Joseph tells these dreams, his brothers and even his dad are like, I don't know about that, Joseph. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, you, maybe you sh- this isn't right. But Joseph's brother. This is the tipping point for them. They already didn't like this younger guy. And now he's boasting about how he's going to be bigger than they are. He's going to be one that they bow to. It's like, we're getting rid of him. We're getting him out. And so they come up with this plan. They're going to kill him. Plans change a little bit. Finally, they sell Joseph. And Joseph is carried away into a foreign land. And there we pick up our story where Joseph has become both a slave and a prisoner. Seems a long way from Joseph's dream, doesn't it? That dream where his brothers, even his father was bowing to him. And now Joseph, a slave, a prisoner in a foreign land. As we think today into our own lives, we're going to find, right, often our lives don't match our dreams. The plans that we had, the expectations that we had, the possibilities that we thought would come true, maybe they haven't quite materialized like we had thought they would. In that disappointment that we experience, in those moments of unknown. I hope to speak a word of encouragement to you. I hope to speak a word of empowering you wherever life finds you this morning. Because as we look at the story of Joseph, we are certainly going to find a man whose life was not living up to his dreams. First thing we want to look at is in the beginning, the Lord was with him. This is a phrase that's actually repeated four times here in this chapter of Genesis. And anytime we see something repeated in Scripture, especially in a 
confined space like a chapter. We want to zero in on that and say, there's something about that. There's an important point about that. And the Lord was with Joseph is absolutely a key idea that works its way through this chapter. Let me read Genesis 39-2 for us. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. There it is. We have God being with Joseph. Whoa, wait just a moment. Joseph is, he's a slave. Later we find him a prisoner. And what, you're saying God is with Joseph? How can God be with Joseph? From our own understanding, we often look at our circumstances and we say, oh, my life didn't quite work out like I wanted. My life isn't quite living up to what I hoped. Maybe God's not with me. Maybe God doesn't have favor for me. That is simply not the case. God remains with us. God can be with us just like God was with Joseph, even in the midst of Joseph being a slave, a prisoner. God's favor was with him. So even in our own circumstances, we find that God can be with us. And when we believe that our circumstances are the definition of whether we are with God and whether God is with us, then we are believing an insidious lie because it is simply not true. We cannot look at our life's disappointments and blame God for those. God, you let me down. That is not how God works with us. The Lord is with us, but we need to be in the right place doing the right thing. And if we're doing that, if we're in the right place doing the right thing, we can trust that God is with us. And we don't need our circumstances to define whether God is with us. We don't need some sort of material blessing or some sort of relationship or some sort of worldly success to decide whether God is with us. We need to be in the right place doing the right thing. And as we look through the rest of this passage today, we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Trying to be in the right place, doing the right thing. Second point that we want to look at is that with God, there are things we don't know. With God, there's things we don't know. First thing we don't know is we don't know God's long-term plans. We don't. We don't know what God has in store. Think about Joseph in this story. Here is Joseph, and he's living Life is going okay. Dad likes him better than all his brothers. He's having this dream. Yeah, and Joseph is like, this is good. But then Joseph is sent away to Egypt. But what Joseph doesn't understand is that him being sent into Egypt, and even though he's sent as a slave into Egypt, he is eventually going to be able to redeem his family in a time of famine. And he is going to be able to provide for them. And not only that, what's going to happen is that Joseph and his family are going to stay in Egypt. And they're going to stay there for like 400 years. 
and they're going to rise into a great people group, but they're going to be oppressed. But God's going to send Moses to lead the people out. And there's going to be this great event called the Passover. And then there's going to be marching through the Red Sea. And it's going to be this great salvation story as God redeems his people and delivers them out of Egypt into the promised land. And they're going to go into the promised land, but there's going to be some difficulties as they go in. And eventually some kings are going to come and they're going to follow God, but not so well. And they're going to end up losing their land. But God's going to restore them again. But God's going to send a greater redeemer who's going to restore all of those people. And that's going to be Jesus. And Jesus, on the night he's betrayed, he is going to set up what we call the Lord's Supper. Because he is eating the meal from the Passover. And he takes the elements from the Passover and uses those for the Lord's Supper. And the reason there was a Passover was because Joseph went to Egypt. And now... 2,000 years after Jesus, we still celebrate the Lord's Supper. And it's strangely connected all the way back to Joseph being sold as a slave in Egypt. 4,000 years is God's plan. We see it unfolding. But Joseph didn't understand that when he was sent away as a slave to Egypt. We don't know God's long-term plan. God's plan is going forward. Is God working with you or around you? I hope God's working with you. Second thing we don't know about God is we don't know how God is shaping our lives. We don't. We don't know how the experiences that we are going through right now, God will be able to use those at a later point to further his kingdom and to give him glory. Think of Joseph. As we move forward in his life, we are going to find that he is responsible for distributing food in the midst of a famine. That seems like a pretty difficult job, doesn't it? Everybody needs to eat. People don't have food, so they come to Joseph, and he's the one who has to take care of making sure they get food, but also managing all these different powers that are placed. Think of the skills that Joseph is developing while he is first a slave. Because, see, Joseph is a slave to one of Pharaoh's important officials, Potiphar, who is captain of the guard. Joseph, as a slave in Potiphar's house, learns how to work with powerful people. That's a skill he's going to need. Joseph eventually finds himself in prison. And the warden there says, hey, Joseph, you're really good. You can take care of this prison for me. And there we find Joseph essentially being the assistant warden. Joseph, managing desperate people in prison. It seems like that's going to be a useful skill too. See, Joseph doesn't understand that at the moment, but God is using Joseph and preparing him for the skills that he will eventually need to be a person who can distribute food in the midst of a family. So the question I ask for you is, how is God using the experiences in your life today to prepare you to prepare me? How is God using our experiences? We don't know, because we don't always know God's plan. We can trust that our experiences, God can use those to prepare us to be used by God later in our life. Next thing we don't know about God is we don't know how God uses our life to affect others. We don't. 
In the story of Joseph, I told you earlier how his brothers sent him away and sold him. Well, that wasn't their original plan. Their original plan was let's kill the guy. Let's be done with him. But one of the brothers, Reuben, intervenes. And he's able to dissuade this mob mentality that wants to see Joseph dead. He says, let's make sure we don't kill him. And Reuben intervenes and saves Joseph's life. Think how important that decision by Reuben is. Because you remember we talked about how Joseph plays into that story of God 4,000 years? Reuben plays an important part in that through his small action because he was responsible for sparing Joseph's life when everyone else wanted him dead. We do not know the ripple effect of our life decisions. We don't know how the choices we make now, the little things we do now, affect lives as they move forward. There is something called the butterfly effect. And the butterfly effect says that a butterfly flapping its wings in one part of the world, might result in a tornado somewhere else. Our lives are a little bit like that when we are following God. Our little flap of wings might, down the line, cause a powerful movement of God. God might use it in an incredible way. We don't know how God is using our lives to affect others. Third thing that I want us to look at today is that we, for us, we need to accept our status. For us, we're accepting our status. Now, as I go through this next part of the scripture, in this section, these are personal suggestions I'm making for you. Right? This is about your life, and I'm going to give you a little suggestions. And I think the things I'm saying are true like 90% of the time. So I'm not saying these are absolute standards, and this is how you can, should make all your decisions. What I'm trying to provide for you is some biblical wisdom. And in biblical wisdom, we try to find ourselves not falling to extremes on either side, but somehow managing the tension. And in this next section, that's what we're doing. We're going to try to manage the attention of extremes. And I'm going to provide some suggestions for you. And understand, there are circumstances where you're going to say that was terrible advice. And I would absolutely agree with you. But for most of the situations we find our life in, I think what I'm providing for you is good advice. First thing that we want to see in accepting our status is we want to be where life brings us. Be where life brings us. You know, Joseph, life brought him to Egypt. He's sold by his brothers. Slavers sell him. Through these circumstances, he finds himself in Egypt. Now, one thought could be, Joseph, escape, get free, return home. But that's not what we find Joseph doing. We find Joseph in the midst of his circumstances, 
in the place where life has brought him, investing himself and doing the best that he can there. I want to read a passage for us. And this is going to come from Genesis 39, verse 4. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Joseph, he was investing himself where life had brought him. He's a slave in Potiphar's house. He could have been disgruntled. He could have just been a bad worker. But instead, Joseph invests his life in that place. And God uses him. As we saw earlier, the Lord was with him. Sometimes in our own lives, we find ourselves maybe in places that we didn't quite want, places we didn't quite expect. How are we going to respond? Think of this just simple example. Kind of thing that could happen in your life. So you don't want to be late for work, right? And you've got your plan in place. You've got your alarm set. And when your alarm goes off, you've got your morning routine. And you're going to walk to work because you know you can make sure in that time nothing's going to happen while you're walking, right? There's no traffic to worry about, nothing to break. You got it. Well, suppose power goes out during the night. Your phone doesn't charge. Your alarm doesn't go off. You wake up later than you anticipated. Hey, no worries. You're going to rush through your morning routine, and you can just take an Uber to work. Oh, no, you can't get an Uber. Hey, that's okay. You've really planned for this in your life. You can take the bus. You can make it. You go to the bus stop, and just as you get to the bus stop, you see your bus going by. Oh, somehow you can still make it to work because you've planned so far in advance and you put so much extra time into your schedule. You're going to take the T. You charge over to the T. And when you get to the T, you find out it's shuttle bus day on the T. And there's no way it's going to get you there in time. You're late to work. This is where life puts you. You've done everything seemingly that you should have and maybe even then some to make sure you're not late to work. But you are late to work. This is where life has brought you. You know, we have a couple of choices in that moment. One, we can sit around and be angry that we're late. Or we can say, maybe God brought me here for a reason. Maybe there's someone you need to talk to on that shuttle bus. Maybe you need to come to Lake for a reason you don't understand. Let us trust that God has a purpose. When life brings us to places that God has a reason for us there, even if they're not places that we want to be. Sometimes the flow of life just pushes us into a corner. And you know what? My my feeling in that moment is escape, get out. Maybe God's got a reason for us to be pushed into that corner. A great illustration that comes from the Bible is the capture of Jerusalem. And so the nation of Israel is finally completely defeated. And Jerusalem is destroyed. And God's chosen people are forced to leave the promised land. 
and they're forced to settle in Babylon. And the prophet Jeremiah gives them advice as they are making their way to Babylon, as they are leaving as captured people, being forced to depart the land God has given them. Here is Jeremiah's advice for them in chapter 29, verses 4 and 5. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. God says, in that place I'm going, you invest your lives. And even as we look at the prophecy there of Jeremiah, he tells them to do more than that. I just took the first section of it. He says, invest your lives in the place that God has put you. It doesn't seem like the place you want to be in, but that's where God has you. Invest your life there, in our lives. Where has life brought you? Where has the flow of life pushed you into a corner? Should we escape? Not always. Let us say, maybe God's got a reason for me in that place. Second thing for us as we think of accepting our status is that believe God can redeem life's unfairness. Let's believe God can redeem life's unfairness because there are unfair moments in life. And we see that in the story of Joseph. So here in chapter 39, part of the section that I did not read earlier, we find Joseph, who is a slave in Potiphar's house. But Potiphar's wife comes and through a set of events brings a false accusation against Joseph. Absolutely untrue. And as a result of that false accusation, Joseph is put into prison. Joseph hasn't done anything wrong. In fact, Joseph has gone out of his way to do the right thing, to make decisions that are honoring to God and decisions that are honoring to Potiphar. But despite that, the unfairness of life prevails, and Joseph is sent away as a prisoner. Let me read for us from Genesis 39, verse 20. And I want you to see something that happens to Joseph as he is put into prison. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Whoa, that's an important detail. See, Joseph was put with the king's prisoners. And what we're going to find in the ensuing chapters is that because Joseph is with the king's prisoners, he's eventually going to have access to Pharaoh, which is eventually going to allow Joseph to be put into a place of power, second only to Pharaoh in Egypt. But that doesn't happen if Joseph isn't first put in prison. You see, Joseph was put in prison, and it was completely unfair. But God used the unfairness to bring about a greater good. What was meant for evil, God used for good. In our own lives, let us trust that the unfairness that we experience, that God can use for a greater good. 
And you know what? In your own life, you've probably experienced it. And sometimes it's little things. But I'm speaking to you today about the big unfair events. I'm talking about a spouse that walks out on you and says, I'm living life without you. See ya. Unfair. God can use that. God can use that for good. And when you're in the moment, you don't think that can happen. But God can use it for good. God can use that to bring about a good. A good that was better than what you had before. Maybe you're in a workplace, right? Someone has been dishonest with you, maybe in your business dealings, right? And it's, it's caused you problems. It caused you financial difficulty because of their dishonesty. You didn't do anything wrong. It was unfair. God can use it. God can use unfair events to bring about a greater good. Let's trust. Let's trust that God can redeem those unfair events in life. And you know, we're not always going to see it. You know, just as we talked about earlier, how God has long-term plans, and we don't always know what those are. Well, like we talked earlier about how little changes in our lives can have ripple effects that we don't see. We don't often know how God is using those unfair events to bring about a greater good through us. We know God can, and we can trust that God will. Third thing for us, in accepting our status, is let us thrive in our circumstances. So Joseph has become a prisoner, which seems less than a slave. It seems like Joseph is moving the wrong direction. We talked earlier, Joseph had this dream. His brothers, even his dad, are bowing down to him. Joseph is sent to a slave in a foreign land. Now Joseph has made his way to prisoner in a foreign land. It doesn't seem like that dream is becoming a reality. But Joseph, despite being a prisoner, thrives in that circumstance. Let me read for us from Genesis 39, verses 22 and 23. The warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. He was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Joseph, he said, I'm going to make the best of this situation. Joseph is like, this isn't fair. doesn't seem right. I'm a prisoner. Despite that, Joseph is like, I'm making the best of this situation. Whatever God has put me, I am going to thrive in that circumstance. Joseph, he could have sat around and been like, ah, this is terrible. He could have been grumpy. He could have complained. He could have tried to escape. But he didn't do that. He said, hey, warden of this prison, you're going to find that I'm the best prisoner here. In fact, warden, you're going to find I'm going to be such a good prisoner that you can put me in charge of other prisoners. 
That's what Joseph does. In our own lives, we want to find ourselves, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, particularly those that are unpleasant, those that you don't want, those that are the result of unfairness around you, thrive in the midst of those. Make the best of those moments. I have an illustration for you. Imagine this. Imagine an innocent person who is sent to prison. Happens. It does happen. Innocent people are sent to prison. What should that prisoner do? Well, one of the things I absolutely think that prisoners should fight for justice. Fight to have that wrong corrected so that prisoner can be free. Absolutely, fight for justice. But in the midst of that circumstances, I also would say to the prisoner, thrive, become a better you. What do you need to work on in your life? How can you become a better person? What skills can you develop? In the midst of that saying, God, I trust you. I trust you brought me to this place unfairly for a reason I don't know. Use me in this place. Teach me in this place. Let us thrive in our circumstances. Final verse for us comes out of Colossians 3, verse 23. And this is a verse that is written in the New Testament. It's actually written to slaves. This message is true for all of us. Here is this verse from Colossians 3, 23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as if working for the Lord, not for human masters. That's how we're going to thrive in all our circumstances. Is in every situation, we're working for God. God is our boss. God is our supervisor. God is the company owner. God is the first person that I report to. And I find myself in a situation that I don't want to be in. It's not what it looks like in my dreams. God's my boss. And I'm going to do the best that I can because I'm working for God, not for the people around me. Yeah, we experience it. Life it doesn't always match our dreams. You know, and as we've looked at Joseph, hopefully I provide some encouragement for you in the midst of those circumstances. But I also have to be honest with you. You know, our story's probably not going to end like Joseph. They're probably not going to write books about us, not going to make movies about us, not going to be a great kid story that they tell for generations. Probably not. We're not going to have a great Disney movie ending. Probably just going to serve God and be faithful in the lives that we've given us. Let us do that. Maybe God doesn't have some great, grand, remembering tale for us. But let us be faithful. Let us make that ripple that God can use for eternal purposes. Let us be people who embrace the situations that God puts us in. Let us thrive in those circumstances. And let us be change makers for the kingdom of God. Let me pray for us. God, we come before you. God, and I pray. I pray.
pray for all those who are hearing this. Give us encouragement. That you would just bolster our hearts. Free our minds. As we look at the disappointments of life around us. God, that we would feel your presence. God, that your spirit would just minister to our souls, to our very being. It would comfort us. God, that you remind us that we have purpose. Remind us that we are loved. Loved by you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Turn, for a lifting message. Well, we may not be able to write this probably the same story as Joseph from the perspective of God. One thing that I learned is, you know what, from his God's views, it doesn't matter, right? God is a creator. And I believe that everything that what we're going to do, despite all our difficulties, God is going to say, you have done great work. You're the good servant. So thank you. Um, it's the first Sunday that we are going to remember this communion table. I know it's a very difficult time. Whenever I look at these tables, this is a true table when the first Christianity, these early Christians were struggling. Even their false accusers, you know, accusated because of their kind of barbarians. You know, eating flesh, eating, you know, drinking blood, but they knew the true meaning of this communion table. That's why they're literally doing every day so it's too sad that we're not able to do that. But let us just commemorate the meaning of this table. You know, when God allowed Jesus Christ to be on this earth, for especially three years of his ministry, to the end and pinnacle of his ministry, sure is a cross, right? The crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But I think another pinnacle of his ministry is while he was having this communion table. Letting disciples and people know about who he is, why he came as a human being. So the night before the Jesus Christ betrayed and day before he was going to crucify it, knowing that his destiny, he was really struggled. You know, well, after this table, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane and prayed and his sweats had become the blood and just dropping on the ground. And that's how he was struggled, even though as true God, as true human being. But that evening, the Jesus Christ prepared this great meal for the disciple. And letting them know, this is a, my body and this is my blood. Whenever you take this and do this in remembrance of me. He knew his destiny, despite all this excruciating pain that he can probably stand anymore that Jesus Christ was even crying out to God, right? Why God, why God, why have you forsaken me? But this table is a true table that Jesus Christ has given us. There's a love and there's a blessing. There's a great and mercy and grace and especially there is a future on this table. So hopefully we'll be able to come back and really share this bread and share this cup. So the night Jesus Christ was betrayed, Jesus Christ took this bread and broke it and says, this is my body which is broken for you whenever you take this. Do this in remembrance of him. And after Jesus took the bread, he also took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you in my blood.
do this in remembrance of me. And as we remember the cup and the blood of Jesus, we are thankful that Jesus did bring a new covenant, a new agreement between God and us. That through the work of Jesus, we are able to have perfect fellowship with God our Father. This is what Jesus offers us. A hope eternal of relationship with God. That is why we remember the sacrifice of Jesus on our behalf. Because Jesus shows us the way to become part of the family of God. I encourage you. You are a child of God. If you follow Jesus, if that doesn't fit for you, Start following. Start following. Because God's house is big and God's arms are open. Welcome all his children. Welcome.